0: Uh, hey, everybody, Scooter almost started out with saying ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, all our forest friends and swamp, uh, people, people people, in the swamp, swamp-based beings, SBBs, it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast is in its conductor voice to put you to sleep, uh, let's get out the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning mind racing trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm gonna do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake whether that's you know thoughts on you know things on your mind thoughts uh about the past the present or future you know thoughts from the day you know re- repetitive thoughts from people repeating stuff any thoughts uh, <laughs> obviously i'm familiar with those uh It could be feelings. It could be, like, emotions that are coming up for you related to the songs that are just there. Uh, Because I guess as human beings, we emote. uh, I mean, I know we do. Like, uh, because I spent about uh, 25 years trying to not, and I learned that doesn't work so well. Uh, So feelings, any physical sensations, that's another thing that that, uh, can get in the way. uh, And I'm here, whatever it is, it could be one of those things, it could be time, temperature, changes in routine, schedule, whatever it is. I'm here to take your mind off of whatever's keeping you awake and keep you company while you fall asleep. And what I propose to do, and it's more going to be I'm proposing a a proposal to attempt something which this is, that's interesting. I wonder if I can make it back to that thought. Because that's the story of my life, is proposing to attempt something. And then I outthink myself. And you're already, some of you may be already not. You say, man, that's something I can relate to. You know, barely, because I can barely follow what you're saying. But yeah, I propose to attempt things all the time. In this case, I've followed through quite a few times on this podcast. So what I'm going to propose to attempt to do... Because in this case it's two ways it has to uh, it get to you. But I'm gonna uh, I have a safe place here rolled out, uh, padded, puffed up, smoothed, padded, rubbed it down. I said safe place. I can hold my hand on my heart while my other hand sm- further smooths and, and pats that safe place uh, just like you would when you're you say, hey, come on over. There's a nice spot for you here. Or would you prefer this spot over here? Oh, you prefer... I don't need to pat your spot. Uh, don't worry. No, no. You like it cool to the touch? So I'll just... like From five feet away, I will do a counterclockwise imaginary smoothing and padding and rubbing down of your safe place. Or no, I could... You're right. I could just give you a map. Uh, oh, yeah. You could just discover your safe place on your own. Sure. Whatever it is, the next step is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, which you've probably already seen a few, uh, superfluous tangents, extra words or word fragments, segments of words and sentences, I guess what's the difference between a frag... A fragment's more something like you br- break off, right? You say, well, that's a fragment. Uh, it's been frag... A fragment is something that's gone through fragmentation. Where a segment, I guess, would be... Segment feels more geometrical. Uh, like, it, well, everything's geometrics. Your right brain. Was that my left brain or my right brain that said that? I think it was my left brain that said I'm right, right? Uh, there's some irony, but, uh, uh but, but yeah, segmentation, it does feel more delayed. Could I say delineated? Would that make any sense when it comes to where fragmentation feels a little bit more slightly chaotic, uh, not chaotic neutral? I'd say, what's your characters call? I'd say, well, slightly chaotic, well, that sounds more like how you're, that's an alignment. Well, uh, it's just how my character behaves. Slightly chaotic, mostly passive. That would be my character good, good. Like a uh, alignment, mostly passive, slightly chaotic, uh, generally like a, a, yeah, very shy and introverted, but comes across like a little bit, uh, Like, you'd probably not know they were shy. You'd say, oh, boy, they got an attitude. Anyway, (laughs) I think I was saying I was going to send my voice across the deep, dark night and use lolling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. So if you're new, a couple of things to know somewhat up front is uh, this podcast is very different. So see how it goes or wonder, could I see how this goes? Uh, it's very different, I'm noticing right away. I'm not sure how to feel about it. And I'm not sure if I like this and, or you, Scooter. And I'd say, that's uh, no problem. I understand. You may be even feeling skeptical or doubtful. And I'd say, that's a very normal reaction to this podcast. Uh, that's exactly... I would be skeptical. I'd be like, wait a second. Even though I make this show, I can still immediately... I say, wait a second. There's a dude what does he do? He doesn't he, he like, uh, wait, there's like an 18 minute intro where he tries to introduce the podcast. Yep. That's one part of it. Does he like try to circle back? Well, I don't know if he tries. He, yeah, he's an attempt to, what did he say he does? He's attempting a pro- 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 proposal. He writes proposals. Well, he doesn't even write them. He attempts to write proposals of attempt to, of things. He's going to attempt, uh, He's making an attempt to write a proposal of something he'd like to attempt. Uh, that sounds like his autobiography. Now I know who you're to- Okay, so that's the kind of person that makes this podcast, huh? Uh, well, most of the time he says, one day I'll attempt to write a proposal of things I'm going to attempt. Uh, but right now I'm feeling, you know, that's, <laughs> like, this is really what happens. This is like, uh, my, oh, boy. That's really stressing me out. That I uh, like. Can we just do that tomorrow? The the proposing, attempting to propose what we're going to attempt. Please, this, that's really like like it happens during most of my day. I say please. I, I, like this is like literally. This is if you want to peek behind the curtain, you're getting it now. Every you say, Scoots, what, what what's one thing that happens to you every day? You must have, like, do you listen to the bird songs and skip the loo? And, uh, I said, no, but I, you could tell I wish I did that. Uh, but you know, no, usually I get into an internal debate about a, a proposal, attempting to make a proposal to attempt things. And I, I usually, if, if it was a debate, I would technically, I guess I would lose that debate, but usually it just wears me out, uh. And I say, oh God, I can't. I just can't do it. I can't. Just can't do it today, because there's something I've been putting off. uh, It's curious if you're if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about. You see, isn't that curious? Uh, Why can't I get that done? And now I've gotten to the place because of the podcast where I say, well, at least I can be curious and somewhat kind about it. Still exhausts me. Still a little bit embarrassing, and perplexing and confusing. He said, "Well, yeah, like I get, I can get this other stuff done. I just don't understand why I can't get that done. I can't even get a proposal attempt." And he said, "Well, just do." It. Then there's that purdy parse, the purdy parse of you, the internal. Co- this is, well, just get it done. Just do it. Quit, quit wiffle waffling. And I'd say, like, and I think this is like, like, if there was a like, I, I think this is more of a pejorative term, but feigning couch, I think, is something that used to be a thing. It looks like a Chase lounge, and they would have these in parlors. uh, Like, uh, I think this was definitely invented by the, uh, what do you call that, that uh, patriarchy. But if there was a patriarch that used a feigning couch, it would be me. Because I guess technically am I a patriarch because I'm a father. I don't know. I'd prefer not to be in the patriarchy. I'd prefer, like, I would spend a lot of time on a feigning couch, but I'd use more, like, I'd be... It'd be more like sweating after uh, having a rigorous debate with myself about attempting to get something done. Oh, boy. It, it, like trying to introduce a podcast to new listeners. Uh, but, yeah, I had to get real there, new listeners, because that's just who I am. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a person who attempts to propose to attempt <laughs> attempt things most of my life. Uh, even now, you'd say, really, Scooch, you're not skipping to the loo. And I'd say, my darling, sometimes I am, uh, you know, and so sometimes you can hear my joy. I do have that, especially when I can make something, you know, I can sneak something like that and uh, and skip to the loo with my darlings, uh, my borbays. Uh, I don't know what, maybe, but like you see, like I, actually a lot, of time, <laughs> this is true. I haven't skipped to the loo with double O but I might try to do that. Let's try to do that. Let's just agree. Like talk about anti whatever part of us would put me on a feigning couch. Cause I say, well, can't I just spend five minutes doing that? Oh no. Let's spend 15 minutes considering you spending five minutes because, uh, because of all the downs, they say, okay, you know what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start skipping to the bathroom, skipping to the loo and saying, my darling, and then what I'll do is I'll, I'll say my darling when I get to the mirror I'll do a double thumb, you know, squirt gun, and that should be something. Like let's if anybody's down for that, you know, hashtag skip to the loo double o, skip into the loo. You could let's uh, probably be confusing because there's so many parts. Po- skip in i n skip in i n whatever that thing is one apostrophe to the loo. To, you know, I, I might even put two the Lou, I probably spell Lou sometimes, L-O-U, and then you got to correct. Let's not even attempt it. It's just too much. I got to lie down. But it could be fun. I'm going to do it today. If I Hopefully I'll remember. The good thing about the podcast is you'll remind me. And the cooler thing is you're far in my future. So maybe by then, you see, what happened to that sleep podcast, uh, he stopped making that, and he said, yeah, he's making the skip to the Lukast. Uh He changed the world. Remember, tw- remember how 2020 was going? Do I ever. Yeah, well, in September of uh, 2020, uh, late September, he was skipping to the bathroom, and it caught fire. Once everybody started skipping to the bathroom, you know, there were some— uh, you know, there were some ankle, you know, twisted ankles and things. And, to, you know, you say, we got to even be more careful about those toys, Junior. Now that I'm scared, you know, the, he, he, unfortunately, he bankrupted all of the, uh, the, the, the last great feigning, you know, the great, great feigning couch barons. They were really, everyone thought it was other things, but it was really the Barons that ran feigning couches. That was what 2020 was all about. Once they were undone, everybody was skipping to the bathroom or the loo or something to the, you know, uh, whatever fun thing you can do that rhymes with WC or bagno. Or, you know, you know what I mean. So, oh boy, this is, I'm supposed to be telling new listeners about the pie. Oh, I have a tendency to go off topic. That's one thing you should know if you're new. And so this is a podcast you don't really listen to. That rhymed with new and blue rhyme. I just uh, but I could had to point that out, uh, even though it was uh, it's, it's obvious. Some part of me's like, that's obvious. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is. When things rhyme, it's obvious, huh? What about when they almost drive? that's when i like drive, that's when i even feel stronger to point it out skip into the loo with you that would not be you'd say no just i'm just going to skip to the loo you know not with any—no, you know, just with me my internal me my darling my internal darling Okay, I got to get back to the intro. So if you're new, you're getting a really good dose of when I go off topic, but it's kind of silly. It's a little bit goofy, very strange. You're right, very strange. A grown man skipping to the bathroom can change. Who would have thought they could change the world? Not many people did. And uh, changed his world, though. You should have seen him. He went, from, you, yeah, he went from a total grouch to just partially grouchy. Okay, so sleep with me. That's the podcast I'm in the middle of trying to do an intro for. So the show starts off uh, with a greeting. This is other things that throw new listeners off. I I do a greeting, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends beyond the binary, uh, swamp-based beings in this case, because this is outer things. Then there's business. Business is a few minutes. Then there's an intro that's around 20 minutes of me. We're just doing now. We're just talking. I kind of try to introduce the podcast and get you ready, and for regular listeners, it ease you into bedtime. For a new listener, you say, "Wait a second, when's the story start? When are you going to get on with it?" And I'd say, "Eventually, uh, get there." Like, uh, but the real the intro really just uh, as you start to become a listener, you say, "Oh, I started. I start getting ready for bed, or I get in bed, I get comfortable. Then I remember I got to skip on." Skip off to the loo, then I get back in bed. Then I'm even more relaxed, and then I'm. in the podcast was playing the whole time, and it's really something familiar uh, because the intro kind of follows the same structure every time, but it's different every time. We've never talked about this before that I remember, which probably means I talked about it five times in the last seven years, but. Uh, So, man, I'm in a good mood. Like, uh, I really think I'm on to something. You think this could get me, like, is there any prizes that aren't like a Nobel or Pulitzer Prize uh, that aren't goofs either? You say, yeah, we got you. Like, uh, if Joy Germ Joan was still around, I bet you she'd give me a prize if I followed through on it. The problem would be. I could skip to the low myself, but the idea of the skip to the loo foundation or something, that's too tiring. Sorry, I better just do this intro. So that's the intro. And for new listeners, it's understandable. It can be, you could have strong objections to the intro. Some people, uh, and I don't exactly know why. But they get, uh, they feel like it's one big advertisement or something. It's like, no, there's ads at the beginning of the intro and after the end of the intro, but in between is like 18 to 20 minutes of content that I more or less put some work into. Uh, to ease you into bedtime. So then after the intro is business. That's how the podcast structure works. Then there's a story tonight. It'll be our episodically modular. Series that you can listen to in any order at all, uh, Otter things, and it's totally, uh, it's totally like re- re- relaxing and, and very sleepy. And then there's the thank yous at the end, so that's the structure of the show. And the other things you really need to know, which we kind of covered. You don't really need to listen to me; you just kind of barely listen. And eventually you'll adjust and like it takes two or three times to get used to this podcast. That's what most listeners say. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have told me, took two or three tries. First, you, you kind of got on my nerves. And I, I accept that. Like some people, like a lot of, like you'd say, what do you mean I got on your, I'd say, I told, are you kidding me? Of course I got on your nerves. I'm a bit different I have creaky dulcet tones, I, you know, and I I overuse things like skip into the loo. I don't know if you could say skip to the loo. You could try it, it without and be in a bad mood. I mean, somebody will. Say, I mean, I can I can say it enough times, to put some people in a bad mood. But again, maybe then it's like, oh, this just wasn't the podcast for me. Uh, I prefer march to the loo, uh, and I say, okay. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's probably a different. You're probably like, yeah, you might be looking for something different then. Though, if you marched like a robot, then you'd say, well, no, I think you're asleep with me, listener. I could see that march into the. March, march, march into the. Uh, Rue, ro, ro, robot. Ro, that's where ro, robot goes, marching robot goes to the bathroom. The Rue. And then they say, Roo, 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 Sweet Pickles. Uh, Okay, so structure the show. Don't need to listen. No pressure to fall asleep either. I'm going to be here for about an hour. This podcast doesn't even really put you to sleep. It keeps you company while you drift off. Or if you can't sleep or if you wake up and you need some company, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to be here making the show to the very end. So there's the story, there's the thank yous. That's the structure of the show. The reason I make this show, I think this soliloquy or whatever we went on, it points it out. I do a lot of overthinking. There's parts of me that are very uh, not easy to deal with. And uh, you know I spend my whole life dealing with them at bedtime and during the day. And uh, I don't know, they're there and they're just parts of me. And I say, well, I'm just trying to get some sleep now. And what I learned is if I can get something outside of me to take my mind off of it, it, makes it easier for me to fall asleep. But I do know that when you can't sleep, whether it's one of those reasons or just something baffling, can be really frustrating. And that's why I want to help. That's one reason. The other reason is because you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a place where you can get some rest. And if you do, the likelihood, people who get a good night's rest are like 98% more likely to consider skipping to the loo when it's proposed to them on a sleep podcast. That's a a future fact, maybe. Uh, So that's why I make the show. I want you to get some rest and have a nice place and be able to, like, that your life's a little bit brighter and that bedtime has a little bit less dread. That's why I make the show. Because you are important. And if I can help you, it really would be my... It would make me want to skip to the loo. I mean, like, what else would it? Like, I know how it feels. I know how it feels. Lonely, frustrating, and all that other stuff. So I want to help if I can. Unfortunately, like I said, this podcast doesn't work for everybody. But I really, really hope it works for you. Give it a few tries. Not for me, but for you, just to see how it goes. Uh, Because I really appreciate you coming by. I really work hard. I yearn and I strive, and I just want to help you fall asleep. Thank you again. And here's a couple of ways I'm able to bring you this show for free twice a week. All right, hey everybody, this is Emma Otter here, and I'm checking in. Uh, when we last left off, we're kind of in the middle of, uh, I mean, I don't want to s- spoil anything. I don't know. I don't think our story will come to a close on this broadcast or this uh, tape that I have. However, you're listening. I don't know where you are, but I know where I am. I want to remind you all will be well. Oh, I forgot the person that introduces the podcast. Uh, oh, l- Welcome to an ongoing episodically modular series. I'm Emma Otter. This story is called Otter Things. And it's a tale of a town and a place beyond the swamp that, oh, what does episodically modular mean? You could listen to these in any order, even though the episodes are numbered. And you could listen to them sequentially. You may enjoy them even more if this is your first episode, starting with this one. And then listening in any order you wish. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's about uh, odd things that happened in a place, be, like our town, which was a, were swamp-based beings, my friends and I. I'm Emma. I'm an otter. Nice to meet you. I have an older brother, Tefe, also an otter, of course, and my parents and my siblings, youngest sibling. Uh, but, what, like, I also have best friends, Dustin... Uh, LJ Willow and Billy and I mentioned those in no particular order you know where they lie on the best friend scale all best friends uh, of course and my bestest best friend knows who whom they are and that uh, we don't even need to speak about it or they don't say I just wanted to double check if you're wondering if you need to double check that you're my best friend that means you are or they say well i just wanted to do, don't 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 ask because it means you are you say well you didn't even list me there and i'd say really but yeah that means you are of course uh, and if you're confidently saying of course i'm willow's best friend uh, that is correct uh both of those are th- reactions my best friend may have uh and I'm I'm secretly saying both just so you know whichever reaction you're having confirms your best friendship of me. Just in case you listen to these broadcasts, you want to send me a letter. I thought, and I say, of course. Oh, if you're thinking you thought we were best friends, we are, of course. This is just a little test. In the middle of what I'm supposed to be. So this is a, a show called Odder Things where I recap some odd things that happened to, to all of us in the place beyond the swamp where we live. We actually live in the swamp. It has to do with the place beyond the swamp. Let me see if I can give you a short version. I'm, I'm, me, my friends and I were playing Bards and Big Bunnies, a role-playing game we normally play. We played till late one school night of Sunday. Not late, I mean you know eight forty uh my friends headed home on the way home. Willow took the pass less taken, and w- became uh was led on what you could define as a wild goose chase by a goose bunny, that's right, a bunny and a goose, probably from another universe or created by some other powerful force in another universe, and willow uh Uh, was made to be in a crib. Also, my brother's kind of, uh, someone my brother had gone on dates with uh, named Babs had also been uh, taking that path less traveled. Now, I might as well just keep going on that. If you did take that path less traveled, we found out with Babs is that you can Something about this is someplace that's like on the border, like tracing paper between our universe and another universe. And it's underneath the swamp or maybe also in another world. Uh, But that you can slowly be migrated uh, to that world, that universe. And then a doll, at least in this situation, will remain in your place. I don't know the mechanics of it because I don't think it's even earthly. I don't know if it's tech now. I don't know what's happening. But I do know that we were trying to catch catch, uh, our friend Willow and get her back. With the help of Billy, who we had met not that long uh, after we started looking for Willow, and we found out that Billy is, well, we now know Billy's a platypus. We thought Billy was a duck-billed beaver. I mean, that's, you know, that's a pretty easy mistake to make, especially since we've never met a platypus before. And technically, according to research, platypuses are not, like they're from across the oceans. But So we met Billy. It turned out Billy lived in the place behind beyond the swamp, which was a secret lab of the greater swamp authority where they were doing things to try to figure out uh, because usually we have a community-based resource way of living. They were trying to figure out more of like a... Someone used a term, and I don't know exactly what this means, military-industrial complex, but I don't know if that's accurate. Uh, but something like that where they said, well, we got uh, we need to use these powers. Now, Billy actually has powers. You could say they're magic powers. You could say she's a magic user. Or you could say something else, but she can throat sing or sing and do things that normal swamp based beings can't, like move stuff, uh, slow stuff down, make things deflate. So uh, when she sings a song, like, oh, the example would be pump up the jam. Something would be pumped up uh, and then jam would come out of it. So, we were hoping to use her powers to help us. Now, at the same time, my brother Tefe and his friend Dory, they were were—they—they they, like, uh, we all said, okay, we're going to all work together to get Willow. We found out where Willow was, uh, which was both in the place beyond the swamp and in the parallel world. So, a bit confusing. The adults said, we'll handle that because the idea of parallel worlds or universes is a little too much for your kids typical authorities, and, but Dory and Tefe, they realized that, that the Big Bunny was still in play, and so they set forth to distract the Big Bunny. I think they ended up in a cargo net, uh, but they did distract the Big Bunny, I think, long enough, uh, hopefully, well, we don't know right now. We just know they set off, uh, well, I do know that they, they uh, distracted the Big Bunny. They also had help from uh, Babs's friend, uh, or uh, Dari's friend Babs, who had uh, somehow was, like sent a projection of herself into a uh, an Adi Ruxpin doll uh, to help with leading the bunny away. So, so that way that uh, uh, Leon, oh, Leon's our community resource officer, and uh, Dari and Willow's mom, Frances. They had headed to the place beyond the swamp. They dealt with the authority figures there. And I believe they did some smooth talking so that they could start to go look for Willow in the place beneath the swamp, like where whatever this tracing paper universe, these two universes are coexisting. They're not coexisting, I guess, but they're overlapping. Uh, so that's where the adults are. They're getting ready to go in, I think, uh, Dorian Taffey are in a cargo net and we're at our, we're at the high school, not our school where we had to track, we had used Billy's powers and built a kind of soundproof room dome, uh, to find where Willow was so the adults could go look for her. So now we're just kind of sitting around the four of us and I guess you could say boring uh, but basically, so uh, I guess. Uh, oh wait, they're uh, uh, welcome back. Uh, it's the most famous resident of our town. Uh, he's uh, smooth, he's cool, and uh, it's Mr. Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, Emma. As uh, so the ladies, thank you, everybody, for your kind words. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, it's been a while, and uh, plus I'm, not, I'm used to be dealing with a scooter. Uh, this is interesting. So, the ladies, a gentlemen, a boys, the girls, the friends beyond, the friends beyond the binary, it's time for other things. Splish, splash, yeah. Uh, thank you, Antonio. Uh, so we were sitting around, like, so we knew the adults were gone, and it's pretty difficult, leave, especially middle schoolers. They say, "Well, leave those middle schoolers out; they're on their own once again." And so we were on our own, and what what did we do? Or what was going on? Well, uh, so uh, what happened was first we we're just sitting around. Huh? Where is everybody? Out? Oh, they're all gone. Well, hopefully they'll get back with Will and everything will be great. Then we said, uh, huh, yeah, what are we going to do? And then uh, uh, Vaughn and LJ said, let's go, you know, at uh, they get those mini pecan pies uh, with walnut dressing that they put on, uh, the, you know, the, there's a school dessert you could purchase. Vaughn said, I know where they keep those. So Vaughn and LJ went, and they were looking for the pecan. But he calls some pecan, pecan or pecan pies. So they went to go get those. So, and then um, uh, uh, Billy and I were, were alone, and I'd been thinking a lot about Billy because, uh, we, you know, we just we just met, but I feel like I knew Billy for a long time. And I think we talked about it on another, I, I mean, we just, I just really felt connected to Billy. I wanted to be closer to Billy. I was having, you know, I was having feelings. Uh, and uh, Billy uh, was very quiet. Bill, Bill, Billy, you know, like, uh, would say stuff, but not a lot of stuff. And I said, Jesus, when this is all over, uh I guess I was speaking without asking, but I said, you know, you could come li- I'll live at our house. Like I'll live in the b- basement in the uh, blanket for You can have my room, but you'd be close to Tefe's room. And he kind of, you know, even though he uses cologne and stuff, uh, body spray, he kind of, you know, he's a boy, otter that, uh, uh, passes gas. Uh, and Billy said, passes gas. And I said, like, uh, farts, uh, and uh, then I made the smelling sound, and Billy said, oh, okay. So, b- b- like, uh, we were kind of laughing, and and, and I said, uh, you know, uh, in a time like this, uh, some people hold hands to comfort one another and to feel close uh, because they already feel close to you. And Billy said, I feel close to you, too. And we sat a little closer together. And then Billy put her head, uh, her bill, you know, her head, uh, not her bill. Her bill was down, But her head on my shoulder, and I put my arm around her. And we just sat there in the gym, and Billy started to slowly fall asleep. uh, And I was holding her up, you know, kind of thing. Like she was sleeping. Now, to be honest, like it was both riveting, and uh, you know, I had to try to keep my posh. It wasn't uh, wasn't relaxing. There was part of me that was like, "Wow, uh, I like being disconnected to Billy and her, her relying on me to comfort her to, to sleep. Uh, she had a long day." But I was also like, okay, now she's leaning on me. I don't want to wake up, and uh, so now I have to maintain a posture. It would have been more ideal if I said, uh, if she said, oh, I'm going to fall asleep on you, get in the most comfortable position where you could still support me, then I'll fall asleep, you know? So I was trying to, like, they say pull in your belly button and, you know, stretch out, you know, sit tall, So I was trying to do that. Uh, It took a lot of focus, and I was wondering where those two were with the pecan pies, and if one of them would feed me a pecan pie. And then I said, I hope they bring something to drink. And then they came back with tons of pecan pies, and I made a shush sound, and they were shushing, which is hard for Vaughn. And also Vaughn tripped and dropped a bunch of pies. They're not actually pies. They're tarts, I would say. And then uh, came into the room and we sat down and I said, what do you think the adults are are doing right now? And I said, that is a good question. Um, And actually I could tell you what they're doing now because I know all will be well, though we have still have a journey to travel. So Leon and Francis were getting on these. They had made a deal with the, the with Dr. Max, who runs the lab, in the place beneath the visitor center, in the place beyond the swamp, and they, they, they were putting on these suits. They they said, you got to wear anti-goop suits in this world because it's full of a strange goop from the goose bunny. And Bull said, like, goose droppings? And they said, no. Like goose droppings and feathers mixed with ectoplasm. And uh, like Dr. Bull didn't realize that ectoplasm was actually like a, a goop. Uh, not, he said, That's my favorite flavor of uh, high sea punch. And Dr. Max said, What do you mean? And he said, You didn't have that when it was a thing, it was promoted, it was delicious. And Dr. Max says, Strange, I can remember. I mean, uh, Leon says, Strange, I can remember the taste of it to this very day. Uh, probably it was like, uh, he said, Well, what is it like? He said, Like fruit punch with melon, maybe? I don't know. Or orange? It was just good. I don't know. And then Dr. Max said, Was there any fruit in there? And uh, he, he said, No, no, no. Probably wasn't even a fruit drink, they probably said simulated fruit drink and then Leon said yeah and Dr. Max said well I'll leave you thanks for the information what we we didn't know at the time was that Dr. Max was headed our way with uh, the like. Uh, so Dr. Max actually was gathering all these weasels Dr. Max worked with and uh, getting them ready to come see us uh, to take Billy. Uh, but I think that Leon had had an extra plan, but let's stick with Leon and Francis. So they got in their suits and then they had to head through this goop hole, which was basically a hole filled with goop, uh, in the wall, right by the part of the lab where Billy had had her quiet room because she had opened up this hole when she was running from the bunny, uh, and again, this gets confusing because I said, well, I thought that was in her, that was real or it was in her imagination. So I guess some of this stuff, uh, it happens with your mind projecting into other worlds, which would make the stuff with Dari and, uh, Babs make sense. And they'd asked Dr. Max how they get there. And Dr. Max said, you got to go up into the wizard's tower and that's where, uh, things will get strange. So they headed up, uh. First, they headed through a tunnel. Then the tunnel started to spiral up. Uh, and as they were spiraling up, they saw little windows, like they were spiraling up a tower. Uh, but the windows didn't really show. They, they said, that looks like, uh, we're, aren't we underground? Uh, because uh, And they also said the further they progressed, uh, even though it, like physically looked like they were going up, they felt like they were going down. And Francis even said, my ears are kind of feeling like i got to swallow to clear them. Uh, so they kept spiraling what they thought was up and down at the same time. And finally they, like, uh, came out, uh, like, like, over to- the bottom of the tower, which they said, well, we've been going up for, like, 25 minutes uh but it felt like we were going down, even though we were going up and passing windows with a view of something. And again, they, they said like a, it looked like a like a flat grassy area. But when they exited this tower, they looked up and there was this giant wizard's towers tower sorcery behind them. And in front of them was a berm, which looked like the road outside of the visitor center that separates our swamp from the swamp, the visitor centers in and everything was made of mud. So it was kind of like this, uh, uh, version. And then they said, are we sized down? And they actually were, but there was nothing to compare where they had shrunken down because this was the same smaller version of the town or, well, this is outside of town that, uh, um, Adari had seen earlier. And I think for them, they traveled through that tower. So that had to do with them sizing down. But So they saw a berm with the road. There was a vehicle on the road, just a toy vehicle made out of mud or, or some sort of something like that. And Bull started to have a little drift back in time because uh, it was a station wagon on the road. And he could remember the time he was like when him and his uh, family were moving to Riverbottom and he was packing the car and he really wanted to get on the road because this was his big shot at becoming a lounge singer. And he wanted, you know, he felt like his family. And his little daughter said, "Uh, Papa, Papa, don't forget to put my uh, cinnamon spice bodacious bakery play set in the car. I was playing with it this morning when I made you breakfast, uh, and I don't want to forget it, you know, because I had to make breakfast. Uh, you didn't eat your breakfast either, Papa. And he said, well, we got to get on the road. He had a deeper voice back then, or tried to. And he said, well, i was just put my guitars and my amps in. Those are, the, you know, the precious cargo. It's uh, going to create our life uh, in Riverbottom. And then I'll have time for breakfast, to Sweetums. Uh, you know, when I have... Uh, you know, reach to the pinnacle of uh, you know local performance stardom as a lounge singer. But I'll try to find some space. Run along, use a body, and uh, let's get going here. And who knows if this was on purpose or an accident? But he, you know put the big center. He had the tailgate of the station wagon down. He put it underneath the tailgate to plan on. And we don't know if he put it on the roof or he just drove away with it down there. And who knows if he accidentally or on purpose forgot it, uh, or he was just so caught up in his dream is kind of the real thing. But as he was drifting back into that memory, he was wondering too, and he was kind of cringing as he saw himself, uh, so cavalier with what he now realized would have been important to him if he was who he was now back then, and so he felt that forlorn feeling of uh, like realizing those facts. And but he also felt some acceptance in his heart that he couldn't change the past. Uh, also, he because he knew he had to be in the present. Also, D- 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 Dari's mom, Francis, was elbowing him saying, Leon, Leon, are you here? we got to climb over this road. And as they climbed over the road, they sawed down into our town. And Now, this was uh, what was very strange for them was, like, this was a mud-constructed playset of our town, but they were shrunken down to the size of our town. And it was covered in goop, and uh, it was the exact size of a playset that a giant goose bunny would play with. Now, I don't know if the goosebunny made it or someone made it for the goosebunny. Those are answers I don't have. I just can tell you all will be well in the end and all will be odd. So they said, okay, we got to find your house. Uh, And Francis said, well, it's pretty easy because this is just a... But then there was details, you know, because they were sized down. Uh, Now, it was all facades, but it was all very detailed facades. So they headed through town. And they walked to the outskirts of town, uh, and, you know, I don't have to, you know, the walk, you know step after step, passing piles of goop. And eventually, you know, they said, this place is weird. And then they got to uh, Francis's house, and she said, my front door's open. And they walked up to the front door, and it was a muddy front door. It was open, though, or, or I guess like dried mud, you'd say. She said, my back door is open, too. And he said, let's not go in the house. Uh, Let's go around and see what's going out the back door. And they went around the back door, and she said, there's shreds of carrots and peanut butter everywhere. Uh, She goes, what's that? A cargo net hanging from the tree. Uh, And it looks like it just got cut open or something. And she said, is this all made from mud or sand and uh, uh, Leon said, don't think about it too much. And he said, I think this is and Teffe, like, uh, distracting the bunny, because uh, the bunny, he said, there's giant bunny prints. And then Francis said, what are these other prints? And Leon said, those look like uh, tiny otter prints. Uh, and he actually was interested in, and, in, and then Francis said the, they, like, uh, the tiny otter prints lead the bunny away from the cargo net, uh and off uh, away from my garage. And as Leon was looking, he said, this is weird. It's uh, it's like uh, these aren't uh, like uh, outer tracks at all. They're Audi Ruxpin tracks, that doll that was popular like 20 years ago. You remember Audi Ruxpin And Francis said, yeah, it was popular like nine years ago, actually, or eight years ago, whenever Dari had asked for it, but it was just too pricey and spendy. And he said, okay, well, the bunny went away from your garage, but we got to find, where was Willow again? And Francis said, in the Willow Studios in our detached garage, uh... That's where her and her friends would record audio fiction. They always wanted to play Bards and Big Bunnies there, but I said, well, no, not outside. Uh, you can record your audio dramas because it's more active, but play a game inside somebody's house. Because I knew, you know, when we were at that age, we were, we were much wilder, hubble, and Bull said, yeah. So they started to head towards the garage, and they opened the garage door, which was, mu- you know, again, it opened, but it also they got a bunch of, they said, good thing we got these goop suits because there's like a, an hour track and carrots, uh, uh, peanut butter, ectoplasm, and other stuff all around. And the first thing they saw uh, when they opened the garage, uh, was uh, when the garage went back much further than, it, at first they couldn't see anything other than a crib, well, two, two cribs. One was empty and overturned, and the other one still had a doll that looked exactly like Babs. And Francis said, "This doll looks just like Babs. This is the one that uh, Billy had seen." And then she looked into the eyes of Babs, and she could see Babs moving as Adi Ruxpin really, do, like, disorienting for uh, Francis. And looking back, and the bunny chasing it, and she said, "That's an Odie Rux. Those are Adi Ruxpin arms and legs." And Leon said, which way do you think? In, Francis said, towards the school where we left the kids. And he said, oh, boy, uh, just like I kind of accidentally planned. And she said, what do you mean? He said, don't worry about it. And then Leon switched on the lights, which still worked in a weird, it kind of gave a weird otherworldly light, but the lights went on in a cinematic way where you turn on lights and then lights keep going on progressively further into the distance, like it's a just in perspective. And this garage went back, what seemed like lights were going on miles and miles back into like a, a distant perspective. And Francis said, well, this is strange. Uh, this isn't really my garage uh, and Leanne said, Yeah, this is uh, definitely not normal. And uh, she said, Well, we got to figure out where uh, Willow must have flipped over that crib and headed this way. And then they saw kind of tracks. And uh, she said, Okay, this isn't my garage at all. Uh, and Leanne said, Well, what's the next thing you would see in your garage if you were really there? And Frances said, well, the racks of clothes that used her, oh, and then they, she noticed. It wasn't like they appeared there. They were there. She just hadn't noticed, uh, which is even more, you see, well, those weren't there, but they are. And there was racks of outfits that uh, Willow and I and, and the rest of us would wear when we did our audio dramas because we did it in character. And she said, "But there's thousands of racks of these clothes." Uh, and Leon said, "Maybe the goose money made them, or maybe they're for dra- playing dress up." Uh, uh, this is weird, and it's it's, it's but it's r- real and not real. And, and Francis said, "Yeah, but we w- we need to find uh, Willow." Uh, and Lance, I don't understand, so they record themselves on, a audio, like, uh, like they're making an album, but they still dress up in clothes, there's no vision, they're not performing a play, and, uh, Francis said, yeah, they're playing dress, it's like a version of playing dress up, uh, or method acting, like, uh, getting in the role of a character, uh, you like wear the clothes and you become you, you get in and, and Leon and started to drift away again. And as Leon turned, he saw a rack of leisure suits and ruffled coats and he reached out or ruffled shirts with ruffles and polyester wide collars. And he started to touch the suits, but he started to remember being in river bottom. And coming home uh and had spent a lot of money on a new leisure suit and his his partner said, What did you what did you mean you bought that suit? Uh and he held the bag and he could wa he was watching himself say, This is what I need. Uh this is gonna make the auditions go so much better And she said, Well how much did it cost? And he said, it was not like uh He goes, we're going to have to make some changes around here. And she said, that's the kind of price tag, a big-time lounge singer. She goes, well, you're not a big-time lounge singer. You don't even, you're not here. and he said, uh, you got to pay big time to play big time. And she goes, don't you think you should be rehearsing or doing voice lessons? And he said, this is a very uh, toned-down version of it. He said, I have talent. uh, but even as he was watching this unfold, he kind of shook his head and realized, wow, it was not teachable. I didn't know how to try. I only knew how to fantasize. And uh, made it, I, got, I got a lot of amends to make. Holy moly. Uh, but then he started to kind of move from rack to rack and move away from Francis. And Francis said, Leon, stop moving. This is something... That, where are you? And he said, right here. And she goes, okay, we'll be right here with me then. Uh, cause we're in some sort of giant clothes store or something. And he said, yeah, this is exactly like, uh, he goes, sorry, I keep drifting back to my time at river bottom. Uh, and she goes, and things appear. She goes, this is somehow tied into our memories, uh, in our relationships, in our families, uh, so what else will you remember? And he goes, leisure suits, and there was leisure suits here, but there was leisure suits, uh, I don't know what I thought of first. And she goes, well, what was it about? And he goes, well, I spent the, birth- the money for the birthday party for my daughter on a leisure suit. Uh, and he goes, I know, I know. And she goes, well, it makes sense your family's in Riverbottom, like uh, like, and you're here but that's a mistake we'll deal with at another time. And he said, yeah, I probably should deal with it at another time. And she goes, what, by the way, it's not the best time, but what happened to the suit? And he goes, they hit it. Uh, and uh, he goes, oh, well, I thought they hit it on me, but really they made a, he goes, my partner, she made a birthday present out of the suit because it had really nice lining, but I didn't even realize it because I was so distractible. And she goes. Wait a second. What did you say about the suit? He goes. Well, I thought they hid it, and I searched everywhere. And Francis froze. And she goes hiding. She goes. When we used to go clothes shopping, uh, especially when I'd go clothes shopping for Dari, Willow would hide inside the clothes racks when we were in the store. Like when we we're in that, we'd drive to Riverbottom to go in the big store. And he goes, uh, Hills or Ames? And she goes, both. And uh, she would hide in between the clothes racks, and it was almost impossible to find her. And sometimes, you know, it would make me, uh, like, uh, have to say, Willow, come out right now. I can't find you. And she would be laughing, not knowing that uh, how well she could hide in clothes racks. And she goes, Yeah, sometimes I was shopping or I get caught up in conversation with somebody. So it was a way to kind of have power over your parent. Uh, and Leon said, Well, what are you saying? And she said, She's probably hiding in one of these clothes racks. And Leon said, Well, it looks like there's like a million clothes racks in here. And she goes, Well, I don't suppose I could just think of Willow and she'd be in this. Nope, Willow's not in this clothes rack. I'm standing behind. Uh, so she said, wait a second, where? Oh no. Uh, and she, she goes, well, she wants, she would want us to find her though. So she would pick your clothes racks, uh, that no one could find her, but us. Uh, and Leon said, okay, well, would that be like princesses or like the clothes racks from the audio drama, uh, like an astronaut or undercover? And, uh, Francis just kept saying, no, what about a leprechaun? I see some leprechaun, leprechaun. What are you talking about, Leon? Uh, pirate. And then, uh, Francis went into her and she said, no, no, no. Bad, 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 bad bards. Uh, that's where she'd be. She goes, what would a bad, b he goes, well, that'd be a pirate kind of a bad bard, uh, She goes, no, no, not just a pirate, like a coat or a cape. uh," And he goes, yeah, yeah, or a cloak. uh," And she goes, he goes, remember those slokes? That person, that guy, scooter came to town trying to sell those slokes. uh," He goes, were those slacks and cloaks or? uh," And she goes, that's what it would be—a cloak uh, or, or or something. And he goes, well, what would make it, why is a cloak bad? And she goes, no, it's, not, it's practical. If you're a bad bard, you, you probably have to be, you want some practical wear. And to be able to go under the cover, you know, stay warm, uh, stealth, uh, style, flexibility, also like to use as a blanket or to sit down. I don't know how many bad bards have picnics and he, they started racing around the clothes and eventually she found a, a cloaks uh, and she pulled the cloaks away. And she said, these are the cloaks. They're, they're very, they're, they're so dark. I can't tell. She's like, these are the color of night sky. I don't know if it's black or purple or blue. And he said, yeah, these are like velvet. And they started pulling them away. And then actually Leanne said, I wonder if this one's nice. I wonder if this would fit me. Now meanwhile Frances was saying willow 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 there there she is uh, behind these cloaks on a curled up in a cloak and she said willow willow can you hear me can you hear me and willow didn't say anything and she noticed that willow like uh was cycling in and out of being a doll and being her, her daughter willow a beaver uh, and she, you know, like to doll hands and doll arms and doll legs, like a doll, like a baby doll. And she said, Willow's cycling in and out, Leon. What do we do? What do we do? Uh, and then, but then Willow was also like, mom, is that you, mom? But she was, the call was coming from the eyes and not Willow's mouth. And then she saw Willow in the eyes wandering and, and, uh, she said, Willow, can you hear me? And she goes, yeah, but there's like a something between us, like a TV or a window. Like I, I can hear you through a TV. And she said, "Okay, come to my voice. Uh, you've got to get back in your own eyes. You, you have to look at me through your own eyes." And uh, then Will said, "Mom, I can't find you. I can't. I can't understand." Uh, I need something more, Mom, and they were going back and forth. Now, meanwhile, while this was happening, uh, uh, Leon again had another non-positive flashback. All will be well, you know, that uh, he he remembered his, uh, he finally, after the suit incident, decided he was going to start rehearsing instead of just auditioning. And his daughter said, "Would well, Dad, would you sing me a song? And he said, no, 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 I'm rehearsing songs. And she said, I could sing with you. He said, no, I, I uh, uh, no, I'm not singing with you. I'm singing rehearsing. And it, that memory went back and forth. Not a, the greatest memory to have uh but it, like what Leon realized was that the memory was so potent that not after that had happened and after Leon had uh, moved back uh, to our town, he had swore he would never sing again because of that memory. Uh, it hurt his heart. Uh, he said, uh, "How could I do that to a little kid?" Just said, "No, no. Not, I'm my singing's more important than yours." And that's why he's never saying ever again. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, Francis was trying to call Willowbank, and she was kind of uh, she was choked up as she goes. Uh, and then Leon's thinking about his singing and his life. And Francis said, "Leon, I need your help. I need you to pull yourself together, and need you to help me." Willows in between the two worlds and cycling away. But I think if we sing together, we could get her back here. Otherwise, we're going to lose her. We have to sing her back here. And he said, what song? And she goes, well, this is what I need you to do. And he goes, well, what song? Uh, She goes, "Uh, well, it's a a song Willow wrote called Mom's Diner. It's based on another song, Tom's Diner. And she goes, I just need you to do the do-do part. And and she goes, do 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 doo do 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 doo do 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 Like that. Uh, can you do that? Uh, and he said, I can. And then he started to do that do 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 that in a more musical way, like you've never heard before, in a steady way, almost like a, a percussion instrument mixed with uh, a woodwind or a reed, I don't know. And then Francis started to sing, like uh, trying to remember the lyrics that they had written at the breakfast table uh, and that uh, Willow would sing. It's always nice to see you. Uh, You're here to make my breakfast. I'm your daughter. My name is Willow and you sing right to me, and then the doo-doo-doo-doo part. Uh, and then uh, Frances would sing, I, f- I fill her bowl with extra sugar puffs, Willow. And then she said, "Well, I need you to sing. Uh, uh, come to us, help us sing the song. Uh, so take it from your mom, and then, like a miracle, all will be well, Willow curled up in a cloak on the floor of a, a clothes store garage, said, uh, I'm drawing on my paper while my sister, she's rushing, and I'm thinking of my best friend and of all my close best buddies uh, when I feel my mommy patting me right on the head. And then Willow was back, and Mom was saying, Oh, Willow, Willow, and she was cradling her daughter in her arms. And Willow was saying, Mom, Mom, where am I? Am I uh, where are we? What's going on? And uh, she was saying, Don't worry, honey, don't worry. And then uh, Leon was uh, shaken from his uh, drifting away and wrapping Willow up. Uh, in extra cloaks, including the one he liked, which I don't think was an accident either, and also was the only cloak I've ever seen that has a collar because he still wears it to this day. Uh, but he wrapped them up, and then they headed out of the. They they went back the way they came. Now, meanwhile, we were at the school and we were eating uh, uh, pecan tarts and or pecan tarts, and eventually. Uh, Billy woke up, and we were all covered in crumbs when we heard something pull up. And at first we thought it was the adults. And we looked out, but it was uh, tons of weasels and Dr. Max and a whole crew. And we said, okay, we got to hide fast. Uh, So we created a trail of crumbs, Uh, go into a bunch of classrooms and under the bleachers and then into the ventilation system and then we backtracked while we heard them trying to get in and we hit, hit in some lockers. Now it was so cozy in the lockers. We, at first we were like, we could feel one another's breaths, uh, uh, because we'd found that uh, we didn't realize this, but a lot of lockers had false backs. Uh, so the school could walk up and down and check the lockers from behind. Uh, but we were, so we were in this like area and, uh, I don't know, we are all warm and cozy. We all got cozy and drifted off. But while we were falling asleep, and Tefe had come back to the school and they'd seen it surrounded by the weasels and Dr. Max. And they said, okay, well, this, that's the people from the lab. Uh, we got to do something. Like they have them surrounded, uh, and Tuffy said, if there was only a higher authority, and Teffy was kind of joking, hardy-har-har, har. but uh, Daria uh, said, you're right, like a community resource, they're the greater community resource authority. There's got to be someone much greater than Dr. Max. Uh, and uh, she goes, I got an idea. So she called the main community resource office. She goes, you know how sometimes we talk about the uh, military-industrial complex taking over our educate, you know, schools and stuff. Uh, and they said, yeah, that's just a consp- you know, like a thing. Dari and Dari said, they're they're taking over the school. I think they're getting rid of all our textbooks and replaced. But I just thought you might want to go and check. So then our community resource team, which takes longer because it's not uh, like they started to gather and, and head over there. And then Dari said, "Okay, well, I got another idea. Just play along with me." And she, uh, she must have known some sort of. She called this num- secret number uh, that you're only like uh, that. She knew about. She'd heard about it somehow. That's like about the high, like uh, that. They supposedly, the greater, 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 greater swamp authority listens to. And she said, uh, never, like she left the phone off the hook, like, like, and, and like, but she pretended like, uh, she put it against something. And she said, uh, she dialed and she looked at Teffy and winked and she said, well, you know, I'm not going to call, uh, forget it. Uh, uh, she goes, uh, it's a bad idea. And he goes, well, yeah, you like, uh, you, but you, what, you're going to. And he goes, I don't understand. And she goes, I think we should just go with Dr. Max. I mean, if Dr. Max catches the goose bunny and has the the uh, superpowered platypus, uh he's gonna be more powerful than any other leader, not in the area, not just in the swamp, uh, but everywhere. And Teffey said, Yeah, he's gonna be powerful. And she goes, well, we'll all just be working for him, so I don't think I should tell anybody that what he's up to. And Teffy said, It'll be like he's like a would we call him doctor King Doctor Max or Max King the Doctor? And she goes, I don't know, you just call him your majesty or my lord, I guess. And Tuffy said, "I don't know. I think we should try to stop him." And Dari said, "No, nah, we're powerless to stop him. He's got his whole weasel force. They're loyal to him, and they—they're just—they just, they just got to go get the be the uh, what is it? Uh, platypus at the high school. Uh, so you know, and they have those like there's not even a, that platypus doesn't even really have powers. It's uh, the bunny that has the powers, and." Uh, Tuffy said, I didn't know you knew that. We were trying to keep it secret that the platypus doesn't even have superpowers. We just were using the platypus to distract people. And Darcy said, Yeah, the platypus is just a regular kid, uh but it's a bunny, the goose bunny that has the magic powers. It was just project, and she, she goes, Dr. Max is just so brilliant. Uh he is the most pop- we should go uh, uh go see what he's doing and she goes if we go pledge our fealty now we'll be in a good position to keep working for him and then Teffe said did you hear him say he if he believes he does not only does he believe in humans but he said he would work with humans uh and darcy said no 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 first of all no one believes in humans but anyone that does wouldn't work with humans because uh even if they were real, I think it was just a test balloon. And Teffy said, what was the test balloon? And she goes, it was to see who believed. I, mean, I don't know. But, yeah, maybe we should get going to the high school. And uh, I just won't call. I just won't call and tell on him to the, like, uh, I mean, I was hoping somebody could put a stop to it. Uh, let the kids go. And just you know, send him home without his dinner, Doctor Max. Hardy uh, har har. Let's go to to te, to te, Tedward. Te, te and uh, Tuffy said, "Yeah, let's go to Doranda." And they walked off, and they left the phone there. And who knows who was listening on the other end? I don't know. uh But meanwhile, I was in a locker. Right next to to Billy, and uh, it was like our our, our humidity of our breaths was uh, mixing, and we were slowly drifting off uh, for a short nap uh, to just rest for a little while. Good night.